This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everybody. It's Lon Seidman. I am back in the chair once again. After losing my voice, I'm starting to feel a lot better. And that means it's time for your weekly wrap-up on this Memorial Day. It's a beautiful day where I am. I'm looking forward to getting out and enjoying some barbecues and also remembering why this day is so important to us here in the United States. Now, today on the wrap-up, we're going to be looking at a couple of different things. Uh, The first is, of course, discussing my voice coming back and some of the things that I was doing when I couldn't speak. I will also be looking at tariffs that will now soon be impacting TV boxes and game consoles here in the United States to the tune of 25%. We'll explore that topic a little bit. We're also going to explore the Huawei and Google uh, ban, where Google will no longer be providing uh, the Google Play Store and other uh, licensed Android features to Huawei. Uh, We'll also talk briefly about the global cyber war that's driving a lot of this. We'll also talk about how hard it is to get the word out to followers here on the channel when something does go wrong and I'm not up to my usual schedule. We'll explore that in a little bit. And we'll look at Apple saying they have fixed their keyboards once again, although I don't think it's going to be once and for all. Lots to talk about now, so let's get to it. Now, before we begin, I want to thank our newest supporters here on the channel, including Leo Nolan and emudev.org that uh, just became a gold level supporter through our Patreon page. And I thought their project actually was rather interesting. You can find it at emudev.org. And what they're looking to do is collect as much information as possible uh, on gaming hardware of the past so that it can be uh, recreated either through emulation or FPGA-based simulation or some other means. And they want to standardize that process and provide a way for emulation and FPGA developers to really get a good handle as to how all of this older stuff worked, because we are uh, rapidly moving away from the 90s when game consoles got very, very complicated. And I think this is a project that might be of interest. I hadn't heard of it before. They uh, submitted that Patreon thing. So I'd love to hear from all of you if you've been following this project and you can find more information up there on screen. So now let's take a look at the week in review. On the Extras channel, I unboxed the Idea Center A940 last week. We're going to be looking at that on the main channel very shortly. It's an all-in-one PC uh, that's kind of a lower-cost version of that large Microsoft desktop device. I keep forgetting the name of, uh, but you know what I'm talking about. So we'll have that one coming up very shortly. Uh, We also have the G6 Pro Android gaming tablet unboxing, which I think I was losing my voice right as I was recording that unboxing. Uh, It's a little Android tablet that's supposedly being geared towards gamers, and we'll put it to the test hopefully a little later this week as well. And I got in a low-cost little mini PC with a KB Lake 3867U processor. It's actually an eighth generation chip, and we'll see how well that one stacks up against some of the other mini PCs we have looked at. I did do a lot of testing, but not a lot of shooting last week. Now on the main channel, when my voice was finally good enough, we shot the review of the Oculus Quest. And actually, I was very surprised to see that that video has been getting more views than my VR stuff usually gets. I'm sensing 
a little bit more of an interest level around this product. And I think it might finally be the thing uh, that begins consumer adoption of virtual reality as an entertainment platform. It is very convenient. It's all self-contained inside of that uh, headset there, and it works. It rivals some of the PC experiences. Uh, not graphically superior, but it's good enough, and I think it might just be enough. And I think the holiday shopping season here will be the big test of that. But everyone who commented on uh, this after purchasing one said they really are enjoying the experience, and it was something that I enjoyed a lot as well. And then when my voice was sort of okay, I figured I wanted to do something to say hello to everybody. So I did do a little live stream as I was setting up the Oculus Quest and getting it working. You can check that out down in the master playlist. And uh, we had a review of the Lenovo IdeaPad S940, which was the last thing I was able to do before I completely lost my voice. I shot that in the morning. I started feeling not so well. Uh, The fever came in, and then two days later, the voice was gone. So uh, that was the the process that uh, I went through this week. And now it's time for a couple of things that are on my mind, and this is week 117 of doing this as a full-time occupation. And of course, as I mentioned, uh, laryngitis struck me, and when you talk for a living, you are unable to generate any work in that process. Now, I was able to do other things like Uh, product evaluation, and a couple of other odds and ends I've been meaning to get to around here in the studio. But it was very frustrating not to be here at the desk shooting videos because, as you all know, I like to do at least three or four videos a week. I was only able to get one out last week on the main channel, so I'm hoping this week to finally get back into the swing of things. My voice still isn't 100%, but it is much, much better than it was, and I'm feeling much better too, which makes a big difference. What's interesting is that I didn't lose any real momentum on the channel. A lot of times, YouTubers are really scared about not uploading for a period of time that goes outside their usual uh, sequence, and it didn't really seem to impact me much. I mean, certainly I get uh, more views concentrated on a single video when I first upload it, but generally my traffic was about the same. Subscriber levels were down just a little bit, but the revenue was about the same too, so it didn't really hurt me at all although that lost week might end up hurting me down the road because a lot of my older videos have a life to them, but that life is usually only as long as the products I'm covering. So I might see a dip uh, maybe a year from now uh, when that absence of a week of stuff I may have done otherwise is not showing up for people. So uh, that could be the impact of this, but generally it hasn't been uh, negative on the channel, so that was a good thing. And then uh, when I was with the fever, I was... Uh, doing a little catching up on Netflix, and I've uh, long complained about how I can't find anything to watch on Netflix, and that problem still remains, and my uh, default is to go to back, go back to things that I know about. Uh, so one of the things I decided to do was start going back through Deep Space Nine. Uh, now, that show premiered, I think, when I was a junior in high school, right before I got my driver's license. I remember my license and Deep Space Nine happened the same week. Um, so I watched a lot of it in the early days, but then when I went off to college and on to career, it was hard to keep up with it, and I lost track of pretty much the main story arc, which was the big Dominion War story. And one of the neat things about Deep Space Nine, unlike prior Star Trek series, is that it really had a ongoing thread of this Dominion War thing as it was progressing through the, I think, seven seasons or so that the show was on the air. So I got a list of all of the Dominion War episodes, and I've been going through those about halfway through it right now. I'll put a link down below to that so you can follow along too if you missed that storyline as well, because it kind of was what I think capped off the entire series when they were all said and done with it. Uh, There's a great article also on Wired 
uh, for binging Deep Space Nine. I'm, what, I'm basically covering the episodes you can uh, miss and the ones you shouldn't miss, so you can check that link out as well to help you uh, consume this show. Apparently, it's taken on a new life now that it's been streaming for a couple of years and a whole new generation of fans are discovering it. The show holds up really well despite the fact that it's over 20 years old at this point. Uh, and I think it's something, if you are a Star Trek fan and you haven't watched it, definitely check it out. You'll be surprised how good it is. It doesn't have a lot of that 90s sci-fi cheese that you would normally expect out of a 90s sci-fi show. It's really good, just like a lot of the other Star Trek shows that you'll find on Netflix. Definitely check it out. And now it's time for some things in the news that caught my eye. And if you've been eyeballing a new game console like a PS4, an Xbox, or a Nintendo Switch... You might want to buy it soon because it looks like game consoles are in the next round of tariffs to be suggested by the United States government against China. Uh, You can find the full list of affected products here on screen. I believe they are currently looking for public comment on this, and I'm sure most of the public would not want to pay more for anything, and they haven't listened to many people on that unless you have a bunch of lobbyists on your side uh, like larger companies do. Uh, So what you're going to be seeing here after these take effect is a 25% increase likely in cost on video game consoles, wireless game controllers, set-top boxes, all those cheapo ones we look at from China from time to time, but also some mainstream boxes like the NVIDIA Shield and Apple TV. It also looks like blank media like SD cards will also be part of this tariff round. And these things are generally paid for by consumers. This is not China paying for it. Uh, So when these goods come in, the cost to import those goods will go up by 25%, and that will get passed right down the uh, chain to you, the consumer, in the end. Uh, So be prepared for that. What might happen is that some companies might begin bringing products in from other countries, but the cost will likely be higher from those places. So in those instances, maybe something that costs 100 bucks today might cost $118 tomorrow, which is still cheaper than the 125 you would pay importing it from China. But nonetheless, your cost will go up. And in the case of a product that comes in from a different country, uh, the United States government doesn't even benefit from the tariff on that either. Uh, so we've got a lot of stuff that we need to prepare for here. So for example, uh, the NVIDIA Shield, if we look at uh, that 25% tariff taking effect, will likely bring the cost of this product up to uh, almost $237 from $189 that it's currently selling at on Amazon. Uh, The Nintendo Switch will also be hit with almost $75 in added cost. So that $300 console may suddenly cost you $373.75. Now it remains to be seen how much of, of an impact the companies will want to put on the consumers initially But over time, it's going to be very hard for Nintendo to uh, keep this product at the same price, given how low the margins are on the hardware in the first place. Now, as far as computers are concerned, at the moment, this tariff round is not impacting pre-assembled computers, but it is impacting the parts that you might build a computer from. Uh, Some things like cooling fans, for example, are now being hit with a 25% tariff rate. So you might start seeing some of the parts that you're buying to build your PCs going up in price rather significantly if you've been tracking the cost of those components over time. Uh, Big companies like Dell, who assemble products here in the U.S. but import the parts for those PCs, are also feeling a bit of a bite here. In fact, Dell has increased some of their prices, according to this PC Magazine article, 
uh, because of the increase in cost of parts. And if you think about a company like Dell that's pushing out thousands of computers a day, 25% more on the cost of your cooling fans will certainly have an impact on your bottom line and will require them to raise prices, uh, which they have done according to this article. Uh, They did that during the initial round when the tariffs were only 10%. What's interesting though is Dell said we haven't seen an impact or any real apparent negative impact to demand even after they raise prices, which I thought was rather interesting, which makes you wonder if these tariffs are having any impact on consumer demand from China. From this article, it sounds like Dell raised their prices and just left it be uh, with their existing supplier relationships intact. Uh, But who knows what will happen as more things get tacked on. And of course, if pre-assembled computers become part of that mix, that will undoubtedly hurt things. But I do think it's rather interesting that when you've got companies that are employing American workers to actually assemble products here in the U.S., they're being penalized by these tariffs, whereas uh, direct importers of fully assembled PCs at the moment are not. But I think this might be where we'll see things heading. So the bottom line here is that we don't know where this is headed, but I do know that everything that we talk about here on the channel is undoubtedly going to get more expensive as this trade war continues because we'll either be paying higher tariffs, and if those tariffs don't go away, we'll be importing things from countries where it's more expensive to make the things that we buy. And either way, we the consumers will be losing here, so just be prepared for that. And in related news, it looks like the U.S. government is ramping up its dispute with Huawei. Uh, They are now ordering U.S. companies to halt their business activities with the Chinese company, That includes Google, who makes the operating system that runs on Android phones. Uh, Huawei will not be able to use the closed source components of the Google operating system rolling forward. They can make their own version based off of the open source version of Android like Amazon does with their tablets. But right now, moving forward, any new Huawei phone will not have the Google Play Store or any of the other Google components built in. And apparently Huawei is not yet ready with their own operating system to continue onwards. This is going to impact their business significantly. Uh, Additionally, other U.S. companies or companies with U.S. interests are also halting their business relationships. That includes Intel, Qualcomm, Broadcom, and a few others as well. I'm assuming AMD is probably caught up in this too, uh, because Huawei, in addition to making uh, network infrastructure equipment and cell phones, they also make computers. We reviewed a few of them here on the channel. Uh, They are now cut off from their chip supply They've apparently been ramping up their purchase of chips in anticipation of this potentially happening. Uh, But of course, over the long term, this could be an ongoing issue. Now, this concern over Huawei is nothing new. In fact, it's a bipartisan concern and has been going on for some time. You can see an article here in the New York Times dating back to 2012 that talks about some of the issues going on with the company and uh, concerns that U.S. officials had with Huawei supplying network infrastructure devices to the U.S. carriers. Uh, There is a lot of domestic surveillance going on in China, and the concern is that given how close the government and Huawei work together to conduct that surveillance in the country, uh, the fear is that there's probably some backdoors in the hardware itself that would make its way over here and allow uh, Chinese intelligence, for example, to monitor U.S. communications right off of our own networks. And that is, I think, largely driving this concern. Now, if you want to learn more about this, because it is a very complex topic, check out this interview that I recorded with Douglas Black a few months ago. Uh, Doug appeared on this channel talking about laptops because he does a lot of writing with notebookcheck.net. Uh, but he's also somebody who lives and works in Asia, and he has very interesting insights into this issue. And I think if you have an interest as to what's the underlying problem here, 
Uh, he really explains things quite well. I uh, we recorded this around the time that Huawei CFO got arrested in Canada. So we talk a little bit about that, but also the greater issues related to uh, the relationship of the Chinese state to Chinese companies and what that means for Huawei and the United States in that context. You can check out that interview here linked on screen. But the reality is, is that we are locked right now in a major cyber war. This is a worldwide war that I think we'll be reading about uh, once it's all settled, if it ever gets settled. And what's happening here is that uh, small countries have discovered that they can make a significant impact, both physically and economically, to much larger countries without ever having to fire a shot or even sending somebody over to the other country to conduct any kind of espionage or sabotage. It can just happen over the Internet. And just recently, the city of Baltimore uh, got hit with some ransomware that's knocked them out of commission, more or less, for the last two and a half weeks or so. The ironic thing is that the payload was delivered through some weaponized NSA software that got leaked out to the bad guys here and is allowing this to occur. And I think what's happening here is that there's a lot of fear on the U.S. government's part that you have an adversary like China uh, who has a very close relationship to a hardware manufacturer that wants to uh, help the United States build out its 5G network. I can certainly understand why there is concern there, given that tight relationship between Huawei and the Chinese government. Likewise, I'm sure the Chinese government and other governments around the world have similar concerns about American companies delivering uh, technology to them as well. And I think we're going to really have to see how this plays out. And again, I don't see any end to this anytime soon until we develop some norms as to how we uh, conduct ourselves online. But it also shows you, too, that you can have the biggest military in the world, but you could still have significant vulnerabilities uh, through your network cables that uh, could actually be delivering attacks just alongside the uh, YouTube video you're watching right now. And now it's time for a Q&A from you, the viewers. And this first question came in from Video Tune Central about what happened to me when I lost my voice. He didn't know where I went. And what's so frustrating is that there's no way for me to get the word out to everybody. I've got 220-something thousand subscribers here, but all the different platforms I'm on, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, email, YouTube, they don't show you everything. They only show you what they think they want you to see. And as a result of this, when you have an announcement to make, the announcement often goes into the ether and half the people, if not more, don't see it. And that is exactly what happened here. So I went on my community tab to kind of keep you posted as to uh, what my health was looking like so you could all know when to expect a video. But as you can see here, the number of likes and comments certainly did not uh, equal what I typically get on a video that I uploaded. So clearly YouTube did not deliver these community posts to all of you. Uh, then I decided to send out an email that you can see here to the email list. Now I've got, I think, about 2,700 people subscribed to that. Uh, but of course, those emails end up in spam buckets or other places, and we only had 396 unique opens uh, versus 2,061 who probably never saw the email because it went into some bucket somewhere. Uh, so that was a frustration. Uh, then I went on my Facebook page to post a little thought on the Oculus Quest because I couldn't actually review it verbally. Uh, and there we only got that in front of 577 people, even though the Facebook page has over 12,000 likes on it. And this just kind of exasperates my frustration that when you do want to try to engage with the audience with some big news, you can't do it because these platforms really editorialize what they think you should be seeing. And even in the case of YouTube, I don't know if you automatically see the community posts with the uh, bell icon clicked. You do get notified of every video, but not uh, the community posts as far as I can tell. So 
Uh, that was some of my frustration this week, just trying to get the word out to all of you because it is really difficult when you have something that's going to interrupt the flow of the channel to let the fans know exactly what's going on. So I thank you all for bearing with me. I know I got the word out to a lot of you who often click on everything that I do, but for the casual viewers, it was a little bit harder to get the word out. Now, this next question comes in from David James Halligan about the MacBook keyboards. There is yet another fix that Apple has put into place. I think this is now their third or fourth revision of this terrible keyboard mechanism. And iFixit did something that I am going to label as the pick of the week. And this came in from David's tweet. Uh, they looked at these new keyboard mechanisms and tried to figure out exactly what it is that they're doing differently now. So iFixit not only took the keyboards apart, but they uh, brought the materials over to some material engineers to see if they can figure out what it is that Apple changed in this latest round that might make the keyboards better. What gets me is how Apple has been continually downplaying the keyboard problem. Every single keyboard that I have with this butterfly mechanism, as I mentioned, has a problem. I do have to send in my big MacBook very soon because now my T key is completely out of whack. It's loose. Uh, it's not recording every key press. Many of the other keys aren't recording every key press either. My wife's MacBook has a stuck uh, up arrow key and a few other keys that are stuck. The shift key on my little MacBook here is broken. And the worst part is I use all of this equipment all the time. These are the tools of my trade. And to be without it for two weeks while the keyboard gets fixed is a big inconvenience. So I haven't sent it in just yet. Uh, the good news, though, is that Apple has, while denying there's a problem, uh, issued essentially a universal uh, return policy for those keyboards to get them repaired, irrespective of whether or not your Apple Care warranty has expired. So I do suggest if you have one of those butterfly keyboards, even if it doesn't have a major problem, send it back now and get it fixed because there is a length of time that uh, that keyboard offer will be available and you should definitely take advantage of it. But in the meantime, definitely check out that video to get more information. And my Q&A for you this week, maybe just as an informal poll, is that if you have one of these butterfly keyboards, have you had a problem with it or not? Because I want to get a good representative sample. If you've never had an issue, let me know. Also, let me know what year you purchased your MacBook. But if you have had an issue, also let me know, because it'd be good to see what the uh, breakdown is, at least within the LON.TV community, of what their keyboard experiences are. Now, this week on the channel, I'm looking forward to hopefully getting back into the swing of things finally. Uh, we're going to review that all-in-one Lenovo device. A lot of you were intrigued by it from my unboxing. And again, this costs a lot less than the equivalent that you might see from Microsoft. It's also got an AMD GPU built in, so it looks like a pretty decent machine overall. We'll put it to the test. I'm also hoping to take a look at the official RTSP firmware for WISE cameras. As you know, I'm a big fan of these cameras. They're like 20, 25 bucks a piece. They just added in those new sensors that we reviewed recently. And it looks like they've now got a firmware that comes directly from the company to allow you to connect those cameras up to a Synology NAS, for example, and other security systems. Uh, so we'll see exactly what the trade-offs are in doing this, but it's nice to see an official version uh, versus some of the jailbreaking uh, that you had to do before. So we'll put that to the test later this week. And if you're uh, eager to see something specific, do let me know down in the comments as I'm going to start working on that video tomorrow morning. Uh, also, I've got the U300 mini PC that I'm going to review, which I talked about at the outset. We unboxed that already on the Extras channel. Uh, and I've also got these little FLIR cameras in that attach to your smartphone. I've been having fun playing with those during my illness as well. It didn't take my temperature, but I was able to measure the temperature of everything else around the house. So we'll talk more about those and how to use them coming up this week. Now, if you want to support the channel, you can. You can go to lon.tv support and make a monthly or a one-time contribution to the channel. 
We also have my ongoing relationship with Plex, where if you set up a free Plex account, no credit card required, we get a small commission. Uh, We get a slightly larger commission if you sign up for a Plex Pass account or gift it to somebody else. And of course, we have my other channels, including my extras channel, where I have supplementary content and unboxings. One thing I'm considering doing is a little bit more live streaming over there as I'm testing products. I finally got my TriCaster working properly with live streaming, and I can very easily now uh, stream to different channels with a mouse click. So that's something I'm considering doing on the Extras channel. So subscribe over there if you haven't already. We do a lot of cool, quick things there that uh, might be kind of fun to follow. We have my podcast, which has audio versions of this show. We, of course, have the Snippets channel that has search-friendly versions of this show that you can find later and get my little diatribes in shorter uh, videos so you can share them with your friends easier. And then, of course, we have my live stream archive at lon.tv slash live stream, so you can see all the prior live streams that I've done here on the channel. And if you want to get notified whenever I do something, you can click on the notification bell on all of my channels to get notified, hopefully, for everything that I do, so that if I get sick again, you'll know what happened. Uh, so definitely do that if you haven't already. There's some other ways of the, to engage with the channel. We got my email list that 300 of you opened last week. Uh, we have the Facebook page at lon.tv slash Facebook, where we uh, put up some of those extra channel videos and a few other things as well. The Facebook group is almost to 700 now. I'm really enjoying that as a resource for this show and some of the other things that I do. So sign up there, answer the questions, and we'll let you in and interact with the rest of the community. And then, of course, we've got my store where I sell previously reviewed items here uh, and give you a discount of them versus their new price. We've got that Samsung notebook flash up there now. And there's also a bunch of other stuff on the way soon. And you can sign up for my email alert for the store to get notified whenever I do add something there. So be sure to do that if you don't want to miss out on a good deal because there's only one of everything in the store. And that's going to do it for this week's weekly wrap-up. My voice is still not 100%, as you can probably tell, but I am very happy it is back where it is. And hopefully it will heal up as the week progresses. Until next time, this is Lon Seibin. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by the Lon.TV supporters including Gold Level supporters, The Four Guys with Quarters podcast, Tom Albrecht, and Kalyan Kumar. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lon.tv slash support to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv slash s.